This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. BFM 89.9, I'm Philip C and this is The Breakfast Grill. Now joining me in the studio is Eric Hamburger, Group CEO of CETOS Digital Berhad, a Malaysia privately owned credit reporting agency, as we do a quick stock take on how the business has evolved since its IPO. Thank you for joining us into the studio, Eric. Thank you. Good morning uh, to you and to all the audience. Thank you yeah. for having us today. Two and a half years since you launched your IPO, you know, there's this, this whole vision of CITOS shifting from being this financial-centric credit scoring business into this deep digital platform solution with deep analytical capabilities. How far are you from realizing that vision? So we're, we've evolved uh, nicely in the last uh, years as we progressed uh, from being mainly a data company uh, into being a full-service uh, end-to-end digital life cycle for credit management. And um, actually, our deeper purpose is to connect uh, and empower citizens and companies so that they can make better financial decisions and get access to credit. Credit is by far the best way of a, a person to evolve uh, and, and grow, and as a society in general as well. So. Um, we cater to both the individuals as well as the companies and help the ecosystem. Um, it's been a great journey as we have developed a sort of a, a broad portfolio of solutions, both in data analytics and technology to get together these audiences and, and empower them. You did say that credit is a really critical, important data set, but are you looking at more data sets to complement the credit data? Because if you want to help you know, consumers, individuals, businesses, you need to look more than credit data, isn't it? That's the key. Where is CTOS's view in terms of you know, purchasing, hunting for our different data types and integrating that? So yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, the more information that a lender has uh, to provide uh, credit, uh, the less risk, the less friction that is involved. And so, uh, beyond just your credit history, there's a bunch of information that we have accumulated over 30 years or so. The company has been in the market. Um, so we have, you know, anything from uh, demographic information that uh, helps. Uh, identify profiles of customers. Of course, we do analytics with this to profile customers and help them uh, access to different types of credit, uh, litigation information. Mm. Um, we get uh, utility data. We get telco data. Actually, our, our most recent acquisition is in uh, Indonesia and Philippines, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about. Um, it's all about your telco data and how that helps profile your risk uh, for lenders. So alternative data becomes really important to complement the existing financial information. Mm. And it can grow, right? Because if you talk about data, it can also be your assets, your property, it could be your, your your vehicles, it could be your insurance policies. Correct. So that is where, you know, the, the sky's the limit, isn't it? In terms of how you digest the data, ingest it, and then kind of integrate it all together and then drive great analytics from there, isn't it? Correct. Um, and, and when you look at all the information that's available um, that, that you can harness, for this, uh, take your digital footprint, which is one of the products that we launched last year. Uh, we don't know it, but we have a big uh, amount of data and crumbles of data in in uh, in the web uh, that help um, lenders analyze and assess the risk. So, how many email accounts that have you had? What subscriptions do you have in different uh, entertainment providers? Uh, what uh, 
type of information are you looking for when you go to the web? All that becomes part of your profile and helps you present yourself in a better way to lenders. I mean, it sounds very sexy, but essentially you are going up the convention of what we understand as traditional credit scoring systems. You know, How do you get institutions, organizations to change the way that they look at someone's financial health, right? That is the biggest challenge because you perpetuate it. You have the incumbency in terms of the credit scoring, but you are also investing to change the dimensions and understanding of what we think is tradition. Yeah. How do you change mindsets so there? It, it's, a, it's a long journey and, and, and fortunately it's one that other countries uh, that are more involved in this uh, uh, credit journey have uh, already gone through. And so we're, we have the advantage of being able to look at what's happened and replicate here. Um, and so we complement it. Uh, we get this alternative data. We do the analytics uh, to complement the traditional credit information. And then um, we combine it in a way that we can prove to the lenders that if you use this type of information and this type of analytics, then you actually have a more accurate perspective of the risk. But is there so, appetite though? Is there appetite from lenders to adopt all these unconventional ways? Yes, and, and our industry is, is very fortunate because you can look back. So I can take mm. all the, the credit that a, a company has done in the last two years, I can apply my analytics, my scores, and prove to that lending uh, company how much more they could have uh, gotten in terms of uh, lenders and in terms of returns. Mm. Let's just keep focus on the breadband of your business, financial credit scoring, and focusing on Malaysians. I really want to get your state understanding on the state of Malaysia's consumer credit in 2023. 2022 numbers were not too bad. More than 70% of consumers have a fair to excellent credit score. Has that score deteriorated in 2023? Actually, no. We have continued to see a positive evolution of the credit score or the nation. And I think this goes in hand with a point I was mentioning earlier around financial education. As Malaysians are more aware of the importance of keeping uh, abreast of their financial situation uh, to keep their options open for credit, um, they have worried to uh, connect more and follow their scores. We actually have a service as direct-to-consumer services. You can go to mycitos.com and, and access your personal information, access your credit history, get uh, your uh, credit scores, and monitor them. Um, and we've seen a tremendous growth. Um, last year, we had 2.5 million citizens registered. This year, we ended last year at 3.7 million. So quite a big growth and interest from people to know more about their financial uh, data and to take care of it. It's true. I just downloaded my score last night, right? It was very interesting and insightful for me. I mean, to see how it's evolved as well. I mean, I was trying to be facetious here to perhaps ask, do you know what the government's CETO score would be, right, in view of how we saw yesterday night's public finances? But more importantly, I guess, is you're entering this phase where people are getting worried about their financial health and security, right? You see all these talks about cybersecurity scams all coming through, right? Tell me a bit about the consumer side. Where do you see that growing? Because for for your business, really, it's the corporates, SMEs have been doing much better, right? Yeah, definitely. The, the big users of our service have been um, the financial institutions, the banks, insurance companies, uh, telcos, um, and and of course the SMEs as they live on a day to day basis on on the cash uh, collection and and the uh, business they can generate. So these are our heavy users, but more and more consumers are interested uh, in understanding what affects their credit and and monitoring. One of the biggest um, uh, risks that we see in the digital economy is precisely what you're mentioning, identity theft. 
um, it's so easy now to get capture your data and and uh, use that data illegally to access credit in your name, and you won't know until the day that you're trying to access a credit and, and somebody tells you that your score mm. is terrible, mm. or that your credit history, that you own all this money. And so part of the, the education and the services we provide in monitoring and alerting if your information is leaked into the dark web as a service we provide, as well as as anybody open credit in your name so that you're aware and take control of your finances. But for you personally, in running a fundamentally a data business, cybersecurity incursions, phishing, this probably keeps you awake at night, isn't it? How do you build resilience within your own systems to make sure that it is watertight, that it's not prone to attacks? Yeah, so we are, uh, this is our biggest asset. Um, Data is at the very heart of what we do. Mm. Uh, It it fuels our analytics, it fuels our digital processes. And so it is the most um, safeguarded asset that we have. We invest over half of our um, CapEx in IT and cybersecurity and evolving, it, it evolves every day. Now you have uh, AI deep face uh, uh, solutions that will will you know provide uh, uh, hackers uh, additional tools to access your your data. And so we keep at the forefront. Um, not only do we have those investments, we're constantly audited by regulators. Uh, BNM, uh, the CRA, constantly audits us to ensure that we have the highest standards. And so, yes, that, that is the biggest concern, uh, but it's also the biggest investment that we have. Mm, I, I wonder out loud when you observe how the regulators have been responding. It is a Goldilocks situation, isn't it? How hard do you go for it, right? Because you anticipate the issues that actually they are really way ahead of you and the curve, these hackers. At the same time, the, the regulators also are very nervous about how do you also be, be able to not be overbearing at the same time, right? Where is the balance being struck? Yeah, it, the balance is providing sufficient access because uh, for a consumer, if you have too many obstacles, then it, there's friction in the process of accessing credit. Um, we, we provide a series of uh, customer-friendly but very robust solutions. So, for example, EKYC, where you uh, validate your, your ID and your face. Um, we have built a database of faces and IDs uh, precisely to prevent um, you know, fraudsters to get a hold of, of your information. Um, and we also have all the digital platforms to facilitate that process while ensuring safety and security in your data. So we are actually fueling uh, behind the scenes uh, when a consumer accesses with a financial institution, we're fueling all of that security behind the scenes. Mm. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and return with Eric Hamburger from CETOS Digital. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. Welcome back. Eric Hamburger from CTOS Digital joins us for The Breakfast Grill. And earlier we dissected and probed on the progress of his vision to become this whole data analytics company. But Eric, let's just focus about the numbers, right? I mean, if I look at the share price, it's trading about 151 at its peak 210. I wonder why is the enthusiasm not translating? So the um, last couple of years, uh, the market in general worldwide has been, uh, you know, suffering from big oscillations. There was uh, a big uh, uh, concern around technology uh, companies and in general, the macroeconomic indicators, inflation, the 
the, um, the concerns around uh, the currency. And so Malaysia has been affected by the same trends. So when you actually look at our stock and compare it to the index, you know, the KLCI mm. index uh, and the uh, tech index, we trail above uh, the, latest, the latest numbers at 151 per share. Actually, we're about 12 or 13 percent above that index. Uh, so we, we follow the market um, and we have been above I think that is an evidence of our good financial results and mm. prospects of the company. It's not perhaps that actually your, your stock has valued pretty high with the PE, about close to 25, 26 then. Yeah, actually the, the PE ratio was 29, I think mm. the latest one, uh, which is, uh, again, confidence of the prospects of our business. Um, when you look at other in industry players, global players, um, we're trending pretty much in the same uh, bracket. So if you look at Experian or you look at Equifax and international markets, they're uh, about uh, 30 to 35 times uh, mm. P ratio. That sentiment is shared, you know, just looking at the recommendations, nine buys, two holes and zero sells. And one analyst, one analyst put it pretty succinctly, we continue to like C Charles with its market leadership, strong economic moat and highly scalable business model. Can we give us a sense about this strong economic moat? It is a function of that 80% market share you have, right? In the local market here, so it is. It is a combination, right? We have uh, actually seventy-three percent market share in Malaysia, and now with the acquisitions internationally, we're we're expanding that footprint. But it's a combination of a couple of things. One, the maturity of the market, the opportunity out here. Uh, when you look at the expenditure in our industry in Malaysia, it's about eight ringgit per person per year. When you compare that to uh, Singapore, mm -hmm. Singapore is five times the expenditure. So it, we could be five times bigger. But when you compare it to the US, it's uh, 13 times more. Mm -hmm. So the level of maturity in, in the opportunity to expand is quite big. And second, um, we are in a leading position. We have the data assets, we have the analytics, and we have the client base. So it's also a function of how much uh, you can capture of that market. And then the third one is our international opportunity. So uh, I told you eight uh, ringgit per person, but when you look at ASEAN, it's only three. So we're about three times better, but the opportunity in Indonesia, in Philippines, in Thailand is quite large. So mm. I think that's a combination of how uh, the market perceives our opportunities going forward. And your guidance, if you look at what you're planning for in 24, 25, I mean, 2023 numbers, really strong numbers, revenue up 34%, profit margins up 22%. Um, but your guidance actually is that in 2024, you're going to grow your revenue close to 35%. And then the growth decelerates to 2025 to about 22%, right? What drives that deceleration? Because I presumably 2024 is driven by international expansion. Correct. Yeah. So every time um, you're, you're adding to the uh, business, these yeah. new opportunities, you have to consolidate and you have to leverage on these opportunities to replicate the model. So um, we're, we're one of the few companies that provide that uh, internal management targets uh, and and. Uh, clarity of where we're heading. Um, but if you look at the numbers from IPO, we would have doubled in the first uh, two years, would have doubled the size of the company in by 2025, which is another two years, we mm. would have tripled, um, mm. which is quite a nice journey, right? And, mm. and so I think the, uh, the growth uh, factor and the possibility of expansion in the region 
will give us that uh, runway that we're looking for. So unpack why is it that the EBITDA margins are actually improving year on year, but the profit after tax margins are actually declining a bit. They're still very healthy, right? But you're moving from 20-25% to 18-25% to for the, at the PAT level, but the EBITDA actually is improving and upwards. How do you reconcile the different trajectories there? So a couple of things. Uh, part of the investments that we're making, and I mentioned cybersecurity, I mentioned IT capabilities, we're in a journey of uh, consolidating multiple data assets in multiple countries, which um, it's, it's a journey now in which we are uh, going to the cloud and improving our data systems. Um, so that, that is a, a big investment. The other investment is in development of new products and acquisition of talent. Um, so these are some of the expenditures that we have. These are investments that will scale longer term. And then the other thing is the mix of products. So as we expand uh, these operations we have acquired are good. They have a good run rate, uh, but they don't have the maturity and the scale that the Malaysia business has. So mm. it'll also take some time to reach that level of uh, uh, scalability that we have here. Mm. 2023 numbers, 2% of your revenue is international. Where does international, you know, you know, fray into the mix in 25 then? So this year we're targeting 12 to 15% international. As a percentage uh, of revenue? In, term, in terms of revenue. Yeah. And, and, and I think this is a, a good testament, a Malaysian company, you know, expanding in the region and uh, helping drive financial inclusion in the region is super, super important. And, and we're excited uh, to take that uh, knowledge and that talent uh, abroad. Um, and we think that as those markets continue to expand, it'll become uh, a more important part yeah. of our of our business. I, I would imagine uh, in the next two to three years, it could be around 25% of our mm. total business. And of course, 2023 was driven by Thailand primarily. You have got you know presence in Indonesia and Philippines as well, right? Where do you find the sweet spot to decide when to go into the market? Because you know, there's so much underpenetration in terms of awareness about financial credits. You have to find that sweet spot, right? When is the best time yeah. when there is some increased awareness per se? So if you look at Indonesia and uh, Philippines, um, 81% in Indonesia and 75% of the population are either unbanked or thin filed, which means they have very little information. So when any of these citizens go and ask for credit, they're going to be rejected. Lenders do not know enough mm. about them uh, to trust and lend them money. And that's where our opportunity of alternative telco data becomes a reality. And so when you talk about the opportunity, it's what solutions available in those markets can help us drive that financial. Mm. So that's where you actually circumvent the traditional Correct. understanding, right? Exactly. You basically bypass that. Whereas in Malaysia, it's been more entrenched. Correct. That's where the big distinction here is. Yes. Yeah. Um, there are opportunities in Malaysia and we have been capturing it around uh, alternative data as well. But there's a much more robust uh, financial inclusion in Malaysia. Um, so so the opportunity for expansion is a combination of are, are there companies available for acquisition and is the moment right in these kinds, for example, of alternative data mm. space. Which is a very interesting segue, I guess, to the point that the past two to three years, you have been crazy doing plenty of deals, <laughs> buying stakes, increasing season, all sorts of companies, right? And when you spoke to Shouting about two years ago, you said, look, We'll know more deals for the next one or two years. We're now 2024. It's one or two years up. Are you now hunting for more deals? Yes. Uh, and, and you saw in November, right, our acquisitions in Philippines and Indonesia. Um, we basically are looking for opportunities for expansion regionally. We Our ambition, our vision is to be a leading 
um, mm. CRA in ASEAN. Um, and second, to be at the forefront in the entire credit life cycle. So any acquisition that helps me have a deeper penetration of that journey, as well as the regional expansion, is in our target. Um, we acquired this uh, couple of companies and we're looking for more. So our appetite is definitely there. And our gearing ratio, if you look at our financials, is quite healthy. We have uh, uh, 0.22 times compared to others. I, I don't dispute the firearm you have, right? I think the more interesting <laughs> is where are you pointing the gun towards, I think. And you say the credit cycle where there are still gaps, right? Where are the gaps in your view? So it's it's a it's a matter of maturity of these markets, right? Uh, and the situation in Indonesia is going to be very different from the situation in, in Malaysia. Malaysia is a lot more developed. Um, in, in Indonesia, there are, and Philippines, there are opportunities in every step of the way. So uh, identification, uh, validation for the onboarding of customers, the digital platforms to onboard those customers, the uh, fraud prevention, which the more uh, you are digital, the more prone you are to it, and then all the rigor and the decisioning. So these are spaces that we have uh, had a good journey in Malaysia uh, and we're expanding that internationally. And then within Malaysia, there's an opportunity to continue to drive both the digital economy as well as the analytics. So the uh, more advanced um, analysis of the data so that we can mm. lenders can make better decisions. Which is why the Juris Tech uh, <coughs> purchase was really important, right? Because they gave you the tech. They Correct. gave you the analytical tools to help you synergize that, right? Have you? Do you feel that you've captured all the synergies? Like where are we in terms of extracting maximum synergies from the likes of Juris Tech and RAM? So I think the uh, opportunity here is quite large. Um, when you provide all these tools for the, en enabling the credit journey of, of a customer and a, and a lender, um, you need the automation tools, which is the software that Juristech brings to the table. And we've had great inroads with our existing customer base in selling these platforms, both for origination as well as customer management, as well as collection. Uh, so it's been a, a great partnership uh, in, in the market in the last uh, couple of years. And we're actually venturing into new segments. So we did the uh, money lending and, and we have had, uh, this is a customized solution, software solution that incorporates both the technology as well as the data and analytics to provide a truly end-to-end -end digital solution for these money lenders. Mm. Very interested to see where else you go beyond digital money lending. Yeah, I, and there are many opportunities. We have been uh, also growing in insurance uh, companies and as insurance companies are coming to the digital age, right, and, and uh, seeing opportunities, the short, uh, short tech and, and um, all the opportunities for uh, digitization of that journey we're there helping them with analytics and with these EKYC fraud prevention solutions. All right, Rick, I think we'll be having a very different conversation in two years' time. Don't be a stranger. Thank you for spending your time with us. That was Eric Hamburger, CEO of CTOS Digital. I'm Philip C. This is The Breakfast Grill, BFM 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.